Hello and welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I'm ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. We are coming to you from the Nerve Center. It's not a glass-enclosed Nerve Center, but it is the Nerve Center of ABC Radio in Washington. Rick, you and I just had a fascinating conversation. It got a little heated with Tom Steyer, the big billionaire liberal activist who is trying to get Democrats signed up to impeach Donald Trump. If you own a television or have a screen anywhere, you have seen his ads. You've seen him there making a very impassioned plea to have Congress commit to impeachment uh, of Donald Trump. And and he has been clear on his point. Uh, Democrats aren't necessarily happy with that message, but he is the leading voice right now for impeachment of the president. It got a little hot. Uh, It's a good thing on the podcast you can't see him like pointing the finger in my (laughs) face. I mean, it was uh, it got a little little heated. But, you know, he's he is. spending a lot of money on these ads. He has started uh, uh, the group called Next Gen America, which is trying to organize Americans under age 35. Uh, And he's also got this movement, Need to Impeach, uh, that is explicit that Democrats need to be campaigning on removing Donald Trump from office, which, by the way, is something that most Democratic operatives working on the midterm say is a terrible idea to center your campaign on. You have to win in places where President Trump won, and will voters want to oust him even before you see a Mueller report, before you have any final findings there? Uh, Look, the president's done a lot of outrageous things. Democrats, there's a, a lot of them that would like him out of office, but that question of impeachment is a critical one six months before Election Day. It is. Um, I did. I might have gone a little overboard when I said he was just like Steve Bannon. Well, I might have offended you know. Steve Bannon. I don't know who offended more. Anyway, uh, let's roll now. This is our interview that we just did with Tom Steyer. So let me start right there. Uh, you're putting a heck of a lot of money into this uh, into these midterm elections. Should the impeachment of Donald Trump be a central issue in this campaign? Well, the we are Next Gen America. The organization that I founded is a grassroots organization. Mm-hmm. We're on the ground organizing more people under the age of 35 than anyone else in the United States of America. That's something we've been doing for years. We've been on the ground in a, a bunch of states for five years and some new ones too. But that is an effort that goes on its own and is very focused on the midterms. Mm-hmm. The need to impeach campaign, which is a drive to get people to sign up to acknowledge that we have a reckless, dangerous, and lawless president is separate from that. But we do feel that the question of Mr. Trump's recklessness and lawlessness lawlessness is the number one issue in the United States of America. So, of course, every candidate is going to, ha- is going to have to reflect their feelings about his presidency his and his right to stay in office. And you believe that if the Democrats take over the House, impeachment should be, if not at the very top of the agenda, very high on the agenda. Well, let me say this. I think that regardless of who's in charge of the House and the Senate, that Mr. Trump has more than earned the right to be impeached and removed from office. But candidates, but, but you think candidates, candidates who you want to support, who you, and you're, and you're put, was it $40 million so far in, 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 into the campaign? How much have you put in? Well, I think if you looked at our grassroots effort, what we've said is we're in 33 congressional districts, 11 states, and we've said that we'll spend at least $30 million on that effort. And you want those candidates you help win to lead the charge to impeach Donald Trump? Actually, I think you've got this wrong, because what we are is a grassroots organization. About 75% of Democratic voters want this president to be impeached. So I think if you're running as a Democrat, 
on the number one issue of the day. You should at least tell your, the people who you expect to vote for you why you agree with them and why it's important or why you disagree with them, and they have it wrong. And the number one issue of the day you're referring to is impeaching Donald Trump. I think regardless of how you look at this election, this is going to be largely a referendum on this administration. And we believe that that referendum should be saying that he should be removed from office. But no matter what we do or we say, the American people are going to be talking. Whether you're running for Senate or governor or Congress or state legislature, people are going to want to know where you stand in terms of this president's extreme reckless agenda. You're watching these primaries develop with some interest, and there's an enormous, <laughs> right? You laughed out loud that. on that. <laughs> You're seeing enormous Democratic enthusiasm, in some cases maybe too much enthusiasm for, for Democrats' own good. But in, in a lot of these places where it's being played, Pennsylvania 18, a, a couple of months ago in the, in the special election is a good example. Just last week in West Virginia, there was a, a new Democratic candidate uh, down in the southern part of the state who says he voted for Donald Trump. He says he was a mistake now, but he voted for him. How do you capture Trump voters and capture those sentiments that you need with, to, to actually match a congressional district if you're out there saying we need to impeach when obviously he won a, a majority of congressional districts? I think the question in 2016 and the question in 2018 in America is going to be who shows up to vote. The number one party in the United States of America is the people who choose not to go to the polls. So to a very large extent, they are saying that what the institutional parties have to say doesn't appeal to me. So the question is going to be, how are they going to be included in our democracy? I was saying we organize people under 35, that we're the biggest group in the United States doing that. They vote at half the rate of other Americans, and they're the largest age cohort in the United States. So the real question is, if they show up and vote, is that really going to change the electorate? If people understand that the politics is really important, that their voice and their vote really count, we're going to have a different United States. And our reaction is, the answer is more democracy. We want the people's voice to be heard more loudly, and we want to fight back against the elites who want to keep the power for themselves. So you don't want to see hedging in those races. You want to see clarity uh, among candidates, particularly Democratic candidates, on that question. Well, if you talk to people under 35 and ask them what they think, they'll say, establishment politics is meaningless to me. Neither party is talking about the real issues. And if you look at the Parkland students, what they're saying is to the adults, do your job. Protect us from getting killed. I mean, that is a really powerful American voice saying to the, to the establishment, you guys, you're not talking about the real issues. I don't think we get people to the polls by saying nothing. I think we inspire people in our democracy by telling the truth and putting the people first. So your group, NextGen, got a lot of attention uh, over the weekend for an online ad, not a, not a big advertising by like the impeachment ads, but this one was a Mother's Day themed ad. I started noticing some issues with him, maybe in middle school. The stealing started out small, a few dollars here and there. Not from me, oddly enough, but from less fortunate kids. He was never afraid to talk with girls. <laughs> but things never really worked out for some reason. I worried when he went to college. But he came home often. I guess he never really learned to do his own laundry. <laughs> it wasn't until I met his college buddies that I realized it might be too late. Only a mother can catch the signs early. This Mother's Day, talk to your child about the GOP. 
wish I had. Okay, so clearly, clearly, uh, it is a lighthearted uh, attempt here to to talk about Mother's Day, but that is some serious imagery to use Charlottesville, the tiki torches, white supremacists, and equating them with the Republican Party. Do you feel comfortable with that message? Do you tell tell younger voters Republicans are neo Nazis, white supremacists? If you look at what the Republican Party has been doing, and if you look at what people said in the elections last year who were running for state office for governor, we saw an incredible amount of overt racism. You saw the president refuse to denounce the racists in Charlottesville. You've seen a consistent, systematic attempt by the Republican Party to take the franchise away from African Americans. So my point would be, yes, that was a joke, and it was supposed to be funny, and actually it is pretty funny. But to have a party say, oh my gosh, you're equating us with racist policies, they're following racist policies. If they don't want to be called racist, tell them to stop being racist. Because the fact of the matter is, I see them trying to get on their high horse and denounce, oh my gosh, that isn't who we are. Actually, that they are putting up with it, they're supporting it, they're courting it. And if you listen to the Ed Gillespie ads, they were overtly racist. And it wasn't just Ed Gillespie. People have gone there in the Republican Party, including the President of the United States. When they start denouncing Trump's racist remarks, then they can say, we're clean. But as a matter of fact, that is a party which has courted racism at the same time that they've perfect. It's just like the Parkland thing. We send you our condolences. We give you our thoughts and prayers. Not good enough. But I mean, come on. I mean, half the country, give or take, support Republicans. You're saying that half the country is essentially neo-Nazi? I mean, that I, isn't, I look, first well, of all, well, well, look, look at that Jonathan, ad. I mean, I mean, and it's not funny. It's offensive. I mean, you're, 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 you're so comparing Republicans. Somebody was a Republican to the tiki torker torch-carrying protesters if you, in Charlottesville. If you followed the Republican campaign in Virginia, it was overtly racist. They ran campaign ads that were Willie Horton-type ads that were straight appeals to racism. So, in fact, everybody who sits there and says, oh, it was just these people in Charlottesville, it was just the president saying they're good people on both sides. I think there's an attempt here to gloss over what's going on, which there is an undercurrent of racism to an awful lot of their agenda. And to sit there and then try and say, oh, no, that isn't really what's going on when you see what's going on. There's no question that if they want to come clean, then they would have to change an awful lot of their policies. How do you unify this country again? If you've got the people you're supporting, the money you're putting into the campaign, essentially portraying your opponents, you know, as as if not neo-Nazis, as as, as sympathizers to neo-Nazis. On the other side, you have... All of the uh, you know the, the the scapegoating of the left of, of of immigrants. I mean, this is this is this is profoundly disturbing to our country, isn't it? You're putting millions of dollars, tens of okay, millions of dollars into a campaign. This is a very Washington ex- point you're making, and that's this. You're saying, when did the fight start? When we punched back. To say someone is that is what do- we need. So, you, so you need to act like they act. So no, is that what, what we're doing do? is telling the truth. We, if you look at, if that's you go what they through, say. if you go through. And take a look issue by issue. You'll see that Democrats, for the reason that you said, have not been telling the truth to try and exculpate and and excuse Republican behavior. And that if you actually call it out, and this happened at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, if you actually call it out straightforwardly, everyone goes like, oh my gosh, you are so rude. That is so out of bounds. Oh my gosh. No one says... Oh, by the way, by acquiescing to that, you're absolutely out of bounds. So bringing up the truth 
is considered out of bounds. Doing something distinctly un-American and unpatriotic, that's okay. We can normalize that. But if you bring it up, even in a funny way, it's, which Michelle Wolf did, it's like, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. You've said that in public. That's so rude. Well, I absolutely reject I, I would argue calling half the country or suggesting we did anything. We half the country the is two. neo-Nazi is not funny. I mean, it's not, it's not a... Did you, think no, that, you didn't think it was funny? I, 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 I didn't think that was funny. Okay, let me say this. Any more that than was, I thought that joking about John McCain and he won't be around much longer is funny. I, 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 I don't think any of this stuff is particularly funny. Well, I will say this. If you have a party that pursues a, a set of policies that have an undercurrent of racism, if you have candidates, including the head of your party, who say overtly racist things repeatedly, if you never call out the alt-right but actually court them, then I think, in fact, you deserve that ad. All right, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, more of our interview with Tom Steyer. Brought to you by Indeed. Used by over 3 million businesses for hiring where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com slash hire. There's a lot coming at you right now. Turmoil, tweets, an insane amount of chatter. I'm Brad Milkey with ABC News, and I am here to throw you a lifeline. It's a new podcast called Start Here, where our experts give you on-the-ground access to the biggest stories of the day. We're going to give you some context, some clarity among the chaos. 20 minutes every weekday. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and start here. Welcome back. We return to our interview with Tom Steyer. Do you think that President Trump is doing anything right? He's had a decent couple of news weeks. You look at the economy, he's doing very well. His approval ratings are up a bit. Potential breakthrough in North Korea. I think we all cheered the release of those prisoners uh, last week that he, that he greeted at Andrews Air Force Base. Is the, president, is the president moving in the right direction? No, I don't think the president's moving in the right direction. I think that from my standpoint, if you talk, want to talk for one second about economics, I think that you see a very low unemployment rate which has continued to move down, but which was when the Democrats took over in 2009, when President Obama took office, was at its highest point, I think, since the Great Depression, and where basically we had eight years of it moving down, and we've had another year and a little bit of it continuing to move down. But I think if you look at the signature Republican economic policy, it would be the tax bill, and I think that the tax bill will turn out to be a 100% unmitigated disaster for the United States. So you think the president has, in foreign policy, let's stick on that for a second, you talked about the economy and foreign policy, to see, the, see, see what happened with, with the, the hostages uh, that, that he brought home last week from North Korea, the possibility of a sit-down denuclearization of the, of the Korean Peninsula. I think that is a good outcome. I agree with you on that, Rick. But I think if you look at our foreign policy in general and look at where we've gone in a big framework, what we've really done is to repudiate all of our existing uh, relationships and partnerships. And we've moved to an explicitly America first idea, which is we don't have any partners. We don't cooperate with anyone. We don't lead the free world. We bully people in doing what we want. And to me, in the long run, do I think that that is the way to end up with the kind of progress that is important for our country and puts us in the role which I believe we should have of being the leaders of the free world, which we are definitely not now? No, I think that's a disaster for the United States, if you want to know. But if it works, if there is a deal, and and that's a huge if, I will concede that, but if he actually pulls off a deal and the North Koreans agree to give up their nuclear weapons... 
Are you prepared to stand up and applaud, give the president credit? If something good happens in North Korea, I will say that, that something good happens in North Korea. I agree with you on that. But I'm not going to take away the entire context where basically we've walked out of the Paris Accords, so that doesn't count anymore. That is a huge deal. No, I understand you still have, have a whole series of concerns, them, but exactly, you're willing to give the president credit for... That one thing, yes. But my point is, if you look at the whole context of where we are, mm -hmm. that one thing, while good, doesn't come close to making up for what we're doing in the rest of the world and where we're going. And it's, you know, we, I would say to you, who are the allies that we have? How are we doing across the globe in terms of getting along with people and moving our agenda forward and moving the, our ideals forward? What do, you, what, what do you say to prominent Democrats who say that what you're doing is counterproductive? That the idea of running effectively on impeaching the President of the United States is a disastrous message for, for Democrats. It's not a positive message. It's not a unifying message. It, it's one that instantly alienates you know, a good chunk of the country, anybody who voted for Donald Trump, and even some maybe who didn't vote for Donald Trump. You're essentially trying to nullify an election. What do you say to Democrats? Say that's simply a losing message. I mean, some prominent Democrats don't even want the word impeachment uttered during this campaign. I think if you ask Nancy Pelosi, she might, she might argue that that is just not... Not the message that Democrats. Well, she has argued on. that. You don't, you can, don't even okay. have to say that she might. She has. So, I would say exactly what I said to Rick, which is this: Are we going to tell the truth to the American people, or are we going to try and be manipulative and keep the truth from them? Are we actually going to do what the the writers of the Constitution, the founders of our country, gave us to do if we have a reckless and lawless president, or? Are we going to try and slip it under the rug and pretend it's not happening, just the way the Parkland kids say? Look, I look back and I see every important movement in the United States has had a pushback from Washington, D.C. that mm -hmm. said, look, we don't even want to talk about it. We'll get to civil rights. We'll get to it. But you are making it very, very awkward for us in the midterms because the American people are not prepared to hear the truth. It's and what we need to do is bury it. Forget the truth, forget patriotism, forget our ideals. What we're talking about is how are we going to win the midterms? So you're saying that Democrats like Nancy Pelosi are being deceptive to the American people when they don't talk about impeachment because that's what they're going to do. The Democrats are going to... I'm not saying what they're going to do. We're talking about the people. We're going but, out but, there. But you're we saying have, they're hiding the real... We have about five and a half million Americans who've signed up mm -hmm. to say we need this. We're trying to go out to people across the country and have face-to-face -face conversations mm -hmm. about the biggest issues of the day. Mm -hmm. you, I told you, the biggest party in the United States is the party of people who choose not to vote. Mm -hmm. From my standpoint, the question is, if we don't have people showing up, that's really what happened in 2016. That's really what happened in 2014, is most Americans and a huge number of Democrats stayed home at historic levels because they didn't feel that the tr they were hearing the truth. They didn't think people were addressing the issues that impacted their families and them on a day-to-day -day basis. And you're telling me that the way to get through that is to not tell the truth? Really? That's, that's impressive, are you? So, uh, quick question. I mean, it's just, it, by the way, it's just fascinating that, that you talk to some of the president's far-right supporters, and they make the same argument that you're making, which is Democrats really want to impeach the president. The way that we can rally our base is by 
telling people, look, they're coming they're to gonna impeach. They're coming yeah. to nullify an election. I, I mean, you, you, you have a lot in common with somebody like Steve Bannon in terms of, of tactics on this, uh, in terms of what to run on. It's very interesting. Well, it's interesting that you say that because there is what Steve Bannon was trying to do was be a populist. Mm-hmm. He was trying to speak directly to people. And he was attacking his party's establishment very directly. Yes. I'm not attacking our party's establishment. Mm-hmm. The only thing we're trying to do is have a broader democracy and put the power in the hands of the American people because we believe the broadest democracy is the answer to our problems. And we believe that means engaging people on the real issues mm-hmm. and talking to them about why is it that when I went to Iowa last week, I asked someone, what is the biggest issue in Iowa? So run through your mind just... You know, prepare yourself. Mental health. Mental health. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, is that another word for the opiate problem that exists in a lot of the United States? No, that's part of it, just part. Is it the fact that we have a lot of vets coming back from the Middle East Mm -hmm. with post-traumatic stress? No, that's part of it. But basically what we're seeing in the United States is we are not answering the questions that Americans have about what is the most, how are we going to have an America that is hopeful and optimistic and just and prosperous going forward? How are we going to continue the American experiment in an inclusive and positive way? So when you get up in the morning, you think, I know what we're trying to do, Mm -hmm. and it's good, and I'm excited about it, and I understand where I fit into it. That is not happening in the United States today, and that is the biggest question. And you don't get there by not telling the truth, I can tell you that. Quick question on your home state of California. Primaries there in a couple of weeks, and Democrats have this really interesting phenomenon going on where uh, Democrats may keep themselves off some of the, some of the general election <laughs> ballots because there's so many Democratic candidates that are cannibalizing e- each other's votes. You could leave two, three, four seats on the table, very winnable seats. Is there anything that, that you and your group are prepared to do in these next couple of weeks to get that message out to Democratic voters to ensure at least one gets on the ballot there? Well, Rick, I think it's important for people who aren't from California to understand that our system is different from some other systems in the United States, which is it's the top two primary candidates regardless of party. party. So I'm not sure everyone knows that we have this top two primary system. And since so many Democrats have signed up because of the enthusiasm, it's possible that they would spread a major, a, you know, a pretty good majority of the vote amongst themselves, but no one of them would have more than, say, two Republicans right. who, who split a much smaller part of the vote. And would be an unintended consequence. Completely, <laughs> and and from, our, from my standpoint, you yeah. know, extremely unpleasant. What we, and we've thought about this. Of course, you know, this is not news. What we're trying to do as much as possible is to get as information to voters about the different candidates, hold forums so they can see, so they can really get a chance to get as much information and make good choices. We're really trying to put the ball in the hands of voters and let them know what the different people have done, what they stand for, so they can make a good decision. You know, I think there's a lot of talk about different ways to try and force a decision, and that's actually not who we are. We really are, if you look at our need to impeach, Mm -hmm. it's a petition drive to organize the voice of American people. All right, we've got to let you go. Before we say goodbye, you running for president? What I have said... And what I'm going to say right now, and what I'll continue to say is, we are 100% focused on November 6, 2018. We have no... Let me finish finish the the answer. We have no idea what is going to happen in the 
the midterm elections this year, and we're going to be in a completely different position as a country. Mm-hmm. The Democrats are going to be in a completely different position as a party, and I have no idea what is where we're going to be, and neither does any pollster, and neither do you guys, as smart as you are. You can't tell me where we're going to be. Rick knows, uh, but he's I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're, uh, you're Russian, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> Tom Steyer of NextGen, uh, thank you very much for joining us here on uh, Thank you for on having me. Powerhouse Politics. Pleasure. Thank you, sir. All the time we have for now, we will be back soon. Thank you very much.